1: By thing,
2: KUCI. KUCI,
3: Ima, ki ite imas.
2: Last of KUCI, 88.9 FM, ko yo
3: kikinita KUCI.
2: Estas escuchando la KUCI 88.9.
1: We KUCI.
4: Uze radio KUCI, FM. You're listening to 88.9 FM, KUCI in Irvine.
0: Good morning. You're listening to Ask a Leader, and I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh. If I sound more earnest than ever, it's because I am so humbled with the sisters and mothers that are guests today. We're first going to examine the Vatican's rebuke of American nuns and its recent doctrinal assessment of the Leadership Conference of Women's Religious, to which 80% of Americans belong. During the second half of the show, While Mother's Day is showing up on many merchants' radars, that we we can examine on this radio show, how Mother's Day is observed. I'm glad that you're with us this morning. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. ¶¶ on april 18th the vatican's doctrinal office the congregation for the doctrine of faith pronounced the following and i quote occasional public statements by the leadership conference of women religious that disagree with or challenge positions taken by the bishops who are the current the church's authentic teachers of faith and morals are not compatible with its purpose end of quote archbishop J. Peter Sartain of Seattle was assigned the role of overseeing what some call this a makeover, others call it a crackdown. Today, we have two remarkable women, Sister Maureen Fiedler and Sister Mary Ann McGivern, who are here to talk about how the Vatican is trying to rein in the largest leadership conference for women religious in the United States. Sister Marianne McGivern, working toward building a peace economy, founded the Peace Economy Project, uh, affectionately known as the PEP. Uh, then known and, uh, and then at, uh, known as the St. Louis Economic Conversion Project in '77. It's strongly uh, strong, going strong today, and she serves on its board of directors. Especially, uh, it's, uh, it's affectionately known, as I said, uh, known for keeping uh, uh, its. Keeping track of military spending, especially uh, as it continues today, she serves on its board. Uh, I'm rolling and rolling this one. Um, she's continually talking about the folly of building weapons just because we need the jobs. For 30 years, Sister Mary Ann lived at Saint, has lived at St. Louis, a uh, uh, Catholic worker. Later, she became the director of Project COPE. A prisoner reentry program. She continues today to work with men and women released from prison. She also, shall we say, lobbies the Missouri legislature to save money and improve public safety by alternative sentencing, shorter sentencing, better job training, and strong drug and alcohol treatment programs. In the Laredo community of sisters, that is, Sister Mary Ann has served on several committees special needs, Latin America, disarmament, and Guatemala sister community and investment. She also worked for the Laredo staff for three years. My other guest, Sister Maureen Fiedler, is the host of Interfaith Voices, National Public Radio Magazine on WAMU, that's 88.5 FM if you're close, on air since uh, 2002, covering religious issues that touch our lives, shape our culture, and influence our public policy. Sister Maureen is also the editor of a new book, Breaking Through the Stained Glass Ceiling, Women Religious Leaders in Their Own Words. She's also an editor of Rome Has Spoken, a guide to forgotten papal statements and how they have changed through the centuries, published by Crossroad in 1998. For the last 37 years, Sister Maureen has been an active participant in interreligious coalitions working for social justice, racial or gender equity, racial, uh, yes, and uh, gender equality, that is, and peace. Her special interests lie at the intersection of theology and public policy, and we'll hear that today. As a commentator, Sister Maureen often is a guest at many venues, including the Jim Lair News Hour, the Diane Rem Show, and speaking about justice reform of the Roman Catholic Church, interfaith relations, women's issues, religion in the media, and religion in the electoral arena. She, like Sister Mary Marianne McGivern, is a sister of Loretto, this Catholic uh, community. She holds a PhD in government from Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Sister Marianne McGivern comes to us from St. Louis, and Sister Maureen Fiedler from University Park, Maryland, in the Washington, D.C. area. Welcome, ladies, to Ask a Leader.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so glad both of you could come today. I'm just quaking with reverence to have both of you on at the same time. If we could begin with what exactly, for those, because I'm sort of polling people when I've talked and prepared for this program about their awareness of this action taken, can each of you address what exactly did the Vatican mandate in the recent doctrine of faith
2: Maureen, I'm going to let you go first. All right, this, this is, well. first of
3: all, this is a document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. I think it's important for your listeners to know that the old name of this particular Vatican office is the Office of the Inquisition. It changed its name several decades ago, but it's still there to be what they believe is a guardian of doctrine. Um, it issued a mandate. Um, in which it found all kinds of faults with the Leadership Conference of Women Religious. Now, I want to hasten to say that's not a religious order. It's not like the Sisters of Mercy or Franciscans or something. It's like the networking organization for the leadership of women's communities across the United States. There are about 1,500 women in it total, and they're the elected leaders of the various communities. And they get together to share ideas and trends and hold conferences and et cetera, and and basically enrich each other with ideas. And it's there that this congregation found doctrinal errors, um, things which they characterized as radical feminism. They objected to the use of the word patriarchy by some of the speakers at their conferences um, and other statements made at conferences. And their mandate was to basically reform, that's their word, this particular group, um, and do this by basically sending in three bishops, an archbishop and two regular bishops, to take over the organization, to change its statutes, its handbook, review all its programs, its speakers, everything is what they want to do. Now, just to finish the factual part of this, Yes. the um, the leadership conference has said only that it was stunned by this, that's the only response. They are taking their time to do wide consultation, and I think it'll be several weeks before we get any formal reply from them.
0: Did you also want to
2: comment, Sister Marianne? Well, I would say that for some years the bishops uh, have been irritated. Uh, Perhaps not as much by the sisters as by the respect that the Catholic community has for the sisters um they've they really found it um it, uh, difficult that uh we keep talking about women's ordination um that um that um that the it's an idea that bubbles up even though we've been told discussion is closed uh, that's that's been uh, one difficulty another um, more recent one is that the sisters uh, particularly uh, the leadership of the Catholic Hospital Association and uh, network um, strongly supported uh, the um, Obamacare and um, and saw saw it as um, an essential and and in, in my view, um, you know the bishops um, have been promoted because they're good at fundraising, and their friends are people who have money, and they they've lost pastoral experience in within the the College of Bishops, <laughs> um, and so um, and so they've um, um, it, it 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 comes as a surprise to them. That, um, that people are desperate for for health care um, it's a it's a surprise to them that um, you know we would we would argue that um, that the attention of Congress shouldn't be on uh, banning abortions but on providing women's health care on um, on providing um, you know uh mammograms and pap smears and uh, uh, prenatal uh care and medicine and uh you know uh, all the, I just read an article about premature infant births and uh infant mortality in the United States and how high it is uh, sisters tend to pay, pay much more attention to those things and it irritates the bishops yes.
3: And if I can add something yes, else Sister there, it, I think it really irritated them when the health care reform law was actually up for its final vote in the House of Representatives. And if you can remember, there was a need for like four or five more votes. Yes. And the bishops were opposed to that at that point because they thought it would fund abortion. With that a rather concerted unfortunately effort. incorrect information.
0: With a concerted effort. Um, it wasn't casual. Me? It was a concerted effort, that opposition very strategic conservative.
3: Oh yes. Yes. That's absolutely right. But the nuns were organized and supported the law. And that changed those votes by, and you can hear people like, no less a figure than Vice President Biden and so forth, saying that, that the nuns were viewed as much, as much as a moral authority as the bishops in that. And they won. So I, I think that that Still sticks in
0: their craw, so to speak. So it's now it's payback with it's. It's really it's a stinging rebuke. It's a, uh, I, I still keep thinking of it as sort of an infantilizing of uh, this sort of generous breadth of what. Nuns really have been about and contributing in an American society, and as you're saying, here they're they're monitoring what's going on with infant mortality, early uh, early childhood issues, uh, homelessness, uh, incarceration, and breaking up families, and all, that kind of thing. Nuns have been that social network that they were trying to address in lobbying for some kind of health care reform, and so um, it's. Uh, the, the irony, I don't think, was lost on the, the general public, as we see a, a massive uh, reaction. And I want to ask you more about that reaction. Well, so what comes up when we talk about this uh, dynamic between the um, the papal hierarchy, up the top of the papal hierarchy, and the nuns are literally at the bottom, can you both address, for those of us who are not um, as literate as we might be about various catholic institutions what is the primacy of conscience that's part of the central part of the struggle here and the interpretation of that conscience pureness of conscience
2: well well essential teaching is this, this is sister this, marianne conscience has primacy yes
3: and, and it basically means that A Catholic has an obligation, first of all, to inform himself or herself about what the teaching of the Church is, you're not supposed to do this off the top of your head. But you've considered that teaching, you've considered, you know, your own life experiences, maybe the experiences you've seen with others, and your conscience tells you you cannot accept that position. And I, I learned in a Catholic grade school back in the 1950s that your conscience has to take priority. It's not only that it may, it must. You're answerable to your conscience. And in, when the Second Vatican Council came along and in this, the 1960s, yes. the very famous document on religious freedom from that council reiterated the importance of conscience and its centrality in the lives of Catholics and there are many many nuns who would in perfectly good conscience disagree with the bishops or the Vatican on issues like let's say same-sex marriage or women's ordination or et cetera, contraception certainly many of the things that the Vatican pronounces on
2: miss uh, S- sister marianne i uh, yes so, i mean those are uh, exactly some of the points and and the, the way I learned it in moral theology was that um, there, there is the teaching of the bishops, and there is the practice of the um, faithful. And so when we see, for instance, that 98% of Catholic women uh, have used contraceptives, uh, that's, that's saying something about um, an, an understanding of morality. Uh, that um and and it's it it moves a teaching of the church into what 's called probable opinion uh where you have to follow your conscience uh you you know when when your mother is saying one thing and your confessor is saying another, you have to listen to them both very carefully look at your uh your own situation and make up your own mind uh, you know that um these are these are complicated things, and the church has always understood that
0: and so the interpretation the being that the the Vatican is looking or the Pope Benedict is looking for a a smaller and a purer church that's uh that's trying to crowd out this kind of uh dissenting opinion that must must really uh, also work against the craw of the nuns <laughs>
2: I don't know we see popes come and go I think um, I think for the most part uh the nuns are just too busy to to, to hold it much against the pope I really I do think that I say touche ladies. Well, we have um,
0: in a recent column from our uh, LA Times, uh, Stephen Lopez, uh, a local um, nun here of over 50 years uh, here in LA, Sister Joanne de Quattro says, We really know why they're focusing on women. It's all about control, it's all about exercising authority. Mm-hmm. So I, and I, in the same uh, breath that was well, let me just first pause. For those of you who've just joined us, we're talking with sisters Maureen Fiedler and Marianne McGivern, talking about the recent doctrine of faith, the mandate from the Vatican concerning American nuns here on KUCI eighty-eight point nine FM in Irvine, coming to you live on the web at KUCI.org. Well, this um, this mandate, this prescription, uh, is going to be has been assigned to Archbishop of Seattle. Peter Sartain, I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Why was mm-hmm. he ordered uh, to uh, to oversee this shakedown? down? Uh, and told, uh, first, Marianne,
2: uh, uh, Sister Marianne. Well, I I don't know why. Um, I suppose he, it was a task that he was willing to do. Um, I don't know if he views it as a, a difficult duty or as a promotion, but um, but, but somebody thought he was the, a good man for the job. Maureen might have more insight. information Maureen? on that.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know much about him. I've actually asked several people what they know. Um, I do know he's busy trying to pass a referendum in the state of Washington, which would ban same-sex marriage. And uh, some of his priests have refused to pass, uh, like, a referendum form around in their parishes. Uh, Other than that, I don't know much about him. But the fact, it it almost doesn't make much difference, because what you've got is three men, hierarchy, uh, appointed to essentially do what some have called a hostile takeover of Uh. the Leadership Conference of Women Religious, which is entirely women. And in the same document where they mandate this, they object to the word patriarchy. I, I oh, don't wow. Know That's how, a mouthful. I don't know how they understand it, but that sure looks like patriarchy to me.
0: It does. <laughs> it is a mouthful. A mouthful of irony with a handful of uh, a doublespeak. Well, um, the uh, conscience leading uh, Catholics uh, in a different direction, perhaps. If nuns are supposed to be represented as the church, uh, what. Um, about what they've all been. What if? What if they? Um, you know. Let's just say hypothetically they pulled out. They take their uh, their assets, their five hundred one c threes, their uh, projects. They pulled all out. What would it look like in the community?
2: Well, that's that's not actually um, a, 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 such a good working hypothesis. We're we're aging, but we're not going to pull out. We're we will continue doing our work um, uh, one way or another, and, I, and so I think that, that from that point of view, the communities won't won't feel um, much difference. I know that some of the hospitals that are owned by sisters are moving in the same way that we did ourselves 30 years ago with our colleges to transfer ownership to lay boards because we're. An aging group, and uh, I mean, one of the things I think that has happened is that parents um, are not encouraging their daughters to join religious communities, and I think that speaks to the bishops.
1: Oh, it's yes. not
2: a way of life that um, uh, that that parents tearfully but with great love send their daughters off to anymore. They they don't want their their daughters involved in um, you know in something where the bishops are going to be ordering them around so so the communities are 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 disappearing, but i don't think that, that we're not going to stop working we 're not going to take no. our ball bats and go someplace else
3: no we're not going to stop working. What is a possibility is that um they, the the it's not a foregone conclusion. let me say that the leadership conference is going to go along with this okay. Uh, they have not prepared a response, so I don't know what they're going to do. And the response? But I know one of the past presidents of the Leadership Conference, a woman with a great amount of stature in American Catholicism, Joan Chittister, who's a Benedictine sister in Erie, has suggested that the Leadership Conference form uh, its own, like, nonprofit, and move there its assets and so forth and just keep on going and leave what exists right now as LCWR as kind of a shell. Now, that may be easier said than done. I have no idea what that might mean, what the ramifications of that would be. Um, But, you know, that was a suggestion that was made by one of the former leaders. So it's not clear what the women will do. In response to this,
0: and I just want to backtrack because I um, improperly um, uh, didn't allow for an opportunity earlier to uh, have you both uh, sort of break down what actually the Leadership Conference of Women Religious uh, is, who they are, so that we can appreciate their role in American nunnery.
2: Well, they are our elected leadership, so there are several hundred religious communities and they've all got superiors or presidents who are elected by their communities. And, um, and they gather in, um, one or two conferences a year. They, they work in regions, their finance officers work in regions to talk about some of the more difficult things like how do you report to the IRS and how do you manage, um, the social security and um and how do you manage retirement so there there's that level of work but i i, I just want to put in one other little yes. thing before yes. maureen talks which is this word assets the sisters really are poor um if, if a, a community some communities may own hospitals um, and hospitals um, do bring in a significant income for the community, but most of us don't. And and what we have, for instance, Loretto has an infirmary. We have some retirement centers. We have a working farm, but mm. uh, we we break even. Year after, we really depend on on our sisters' salaries coming into the community. We don't get money from the archdioceses. No. Uh, we okay. we support ourselves. We always have, uh, and uh, we um, a, and and so that. But but this word assets. You know what we have will all be spent when our retired sisters. You know when the last ones die, uh, there won't be anything left. So that, Sister Maureen
3: and. Yeah. What what the Leadership Conference has, it, it should also be noted, the Leadership Conference, which is the focus of this, this mandate doctrine. from yes. the Vatican, is it doesn't have property holdings, and they're financially supported by the congregations that are members of that group, the communities that are members. They don't get money from the Vatican, so that I think will give them a little bit more leeway in terms of possible responses
0: and i understand religious
3: from, communities on yes. the other hand can hold property or do hold property a lot of them and uh, and sometimes institutions and as marianne said especially the ones with hospitals have money
0: so i um want us uh, at your institution rich maybe but as asset it's uh, financially not not in that way but um i wanted to um sort of Characterized while we have some little bit of time remaining for the audience, that you've really gotten an outpouring of support uh, from from the laity and from uh, uh, other ecumenical groups. Um,
3: how how do you, how are
0: you reacting to that reaction?
3: What's it's wonderful!
2: It, it is wow. so much. It's been so much fun to read the the columns. It's it's been <sighs> some of them have been incredibly moving. In um, in in their talk about their own experience with sisters and their own value of um, of of the work that we do, it it, it's really been a been a very uh, uh, um, inspiring. I'd better get get to work. I'd better do a little more. (laughs) You've been uh, (laughs) sister Maureen. That's pretty much
3: the way I feel too. And they've called on such great women. uh, you know, there's a Jesuit in New York at America Magazine named Jim Martin, who actually did a video of support. Ah. And he cited uh, one of our great leaders, Mary Luke Tobin, who was the president of Loretto and one of the few women to officially be at the Second Vatican Council. And he reminded us about the Mary Knoll sisters who were martyred in Central America in mm-hmm. the 1980s, and and uh, Dorothy Stang, who was martyred in uh, Brazil not long ah. ago, just a few years ago, because of her environmental work, right? Um, you know, some of the great women who've been part of the tradition that we hail from, and so it's been wonderful to see that recognized.
0: And that stands in a stark contrast to what uh, the laity have characterized the kind of uh, designer-equipped, outfitted uh, uh, top of the papacy. There, well, it's a, it's it's a it, the irony is just about. Uh, it's too staggering to be true well um i if um i guess i understand from uh talking with some uh folks and researching for this that there there will be some kind of response to the doctrine of faith coming out either at the end of may this month or in june and uh, and yeah. as you say it's not really clear what will be will either one of you be involved in those uh, in conferring over that re- the reaction to the doctrine of faith
3: no no, neither one of us is a member. Okay. Of that group.
0: Well will they be uh will they be branching
2: out and conferring with you? Oh they might. they if 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 anybody had an insight along the way, they would be very grateful to hear it. Maureen, um um, sent an email to um the executive director of L C W R when this was all just breaking and got an immediate response saying thank you. You know, we're um uh-huh. uh we're grateful for the support. So I suppose if um if either of us woke up in the morning with a vision of a solution they'd be glad to hear it. But um you know that it you and someone may. Some individual may. But um but we'll see we'll see i think you know a lot of people are are thinking about this we you know we don't want to throw the baby out with the bath we um you know this is, Loretto just turned 200 years old we've weathered a lot of uh, storms with um with bishops um even with the US government who uh, in the middle of the civil war wanted us to sign loyalty oaths um we you know we're um uh, um Um, You know, we've we've managed to to keep doing our work, and um, you know, and so I I think you know sisters will figure out a way.
0: Well, as a a non-canonical member um, was telling me that she she could imagine, and I think you two have already considered this that maybe in in the long view, twenty years from now, this very history-making sort of interplay uh, will come out, make making the nuns stronger, uh, even. Even more uh, robust, more august sort of group of of uh, selfless individuals. If we can just get out of uh, this struggle at this point and see see through uh, an intact um, and providing community, such as the two of you have been in the middle of.
2: Mm. Yeah,
3: I think we would rather be involved in struggles to uh, you know overcome problems of poverty and human exactly. rights and. You know, religious bigotry and all those kinds of things, rather than getting into struggles with the Vatican, yes. it's not the thing that any of us want to be doing.
0: Exactly, that is a drain on what you do in the everyday, and that that is a loss to society in broad terms. Well, you've already you've answered what it what it means to all of us as this is going on, and I appreciate both of you taking time out from your extremely busy schedules generously tending to the community uh, local to you and uh, nationally and beyond and I want to thank you both sister Anne McGivern and sister Marine Fiedler for uh, being on my show today well, thank you very much for inviting us
3: all right thank you very Th- much too
0: thank you and all the all the luck in and the the best in feeling the the good verve from uh, throughout the country and uh, we'll be watching this and I hope I can uh, update listeners on some of these developments later on as they occur. Uh, All the best and thank you so much for coming on the show. So what we're going to do next after a short break, we're going to bridge from the uh, sisters to mothers and uh, we'll be back in just a bit.
1: The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule.
0: Thank you for staying with us. You are still with us on Ask a Leader at KUCI 88.9 FM, streaming to you live on KUCI.org on the web. Well, it is... My pleasure. Now we transition from sisters to mothers. The day, This day known as Mother's Day is just around the corner, so let's ponder what meaning we can from this ritual. It seems that Mother Day is like Earth Day. What is the point of acknowledging it one day out of the year? Before some of you throw down the cash to show how much Ma means to you by purchasing that bouquet, bouquet of fragrance-lacking cut flowers from flown in from South America or... Elbowing alongside all those other folks at Mother's Day brunches and those hotel banquet facilities, let's hear from my next guest about what really means, to, what really does resonate with mothers. First, we have Linda Schwartz, who originally from Brooklyn, raised her daughter and two sons in Orange County. A social worker, when she arrived in Orange County as a 30-something, she became politically active in supporting the Equal Rights Amendment. Look that up, students. She kept up her activism in pro-choice and women's health issues, in which she remains active to this day. Linda comes to us from nearby Tustin. Also joining us is Miss Allen Gibbons, who originally from Denver, Colorado, came to Southern California to attend and finish her work at the University of Southern California. She is the mother of two young children and also is the Southern California Living Editor at the Orange County Register in charge of topics such as food, health and beauty, travel, home and garden, shopping and deals. These topics are also her own uh, private uh, personal interest. She resides in Costa Mesa. Welcome ladies to Ask a Leader.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here. It's good you're
0: here. Well, we can't help but notice those ads that abound this time of the year. For instance, a, a favorite new one of mine is the uh, in the New York Times, it was there, the wellness mat that, quote, supports and comforts mom uh, in, that she richly deserves uh, she, while well, she's slaving at the sink in that picture, or perhaps she's supposed to get down on her knees afterward and start scrubbing the floor. <laughs> Is there a gift from or a day from hell that you'd like to put out there for our discerning listeners?
1: Well, I think it's actually a good day for Hallmark, and certainly for the florist. Um but we do celebrate it. This and, is
0: Linda Schwartz speaking.
1: Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's good. Um and um the point is is that we do celebrate it and the older generation seems to like it a lot. And so we our particular um Mother's Day has been generational. When my in laws were alive and my parents were alive. They would, we would celebrate because of them. Since they've been deceased, it now falls on, my, on me, <laughs> which I find, you know, I tell, I tell my children, and especially my daughter who lives close to me, that I really don't need anything or want anything, but they refuse to accept that. So the tradition goes on. <laughs> I don't seem to have much say about it. Alan? Alan?
4: Uh, I think I'm trying to keep the tradition alive for in my house. Um, mostly it's trying. just a tradition of I don't want to do anything, so. <laughs> I'm doing no work. I'm doing no cooking. I'm doing no cleaning. You guys are on your own for the whole day. Well, that actually is,
0: as I've checked out with mothers of different generations and different experience, different backgrounds, that was one of the requests. One uh, said, I, just, I want to be left alone. One one mother talked to one, about her mother being given the the house to herself everybody oh. cleared out and she just had the house to herself Neat. they the children feasted on ihop uh, all day long <laughs> so that she never had to worry about feeding them and so i was taken care of i've heard some mothers say i don't even want it recognized i just just i'm gonna go and uh, let other uh mothers celebrate that while i go to work uh, on that shift and my nursing and uh, they said they, they don't want the letdown. They just want it to be uh, purposeful somewhere else and just f- forget the day even existed. So it's really,
1: it's a mixed one. Yeah. Uh, so um, I don't like the planning. I mean, to me, it's just I have a lot going on in my plate because I do also have grandchildren who live in Ohio, and then I have grandchildren who live here. So we celebrate a lot of things, <laughs> and I just felt like Mother's Day was just one of the things that maybe we could just forget because I do know my kids, you know, most of the time like me. even though they're older. Um, So I just felt like it's another thing I have to, you know, what do you want to do? So I have to plan it. You know, I don't know what I want to do. You know, just... And as you said, leave me alone. Right,
4: I don't want to plan anything. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I don't want one day where I'm not in
1: charge. That's that's exactly right. That's the whole problem. Is you're always in charge, even to plan Mother's Day, <laughs> which is an irony. I always felt it was an irony. Here's Mother's Day, and I'm still planning. You know, still toiling. Um, they mean well. It's not that anyone wants to do anything bad. But um, it's just—I um, I just feel it's just—it's really silly, and I do think it's, it's a um, economic thing in this country, as I do think Father's Day is also. And, and Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day, right? There is just so many things that everyone is making money off of.
0: Well, and, Linda, you—you've raised uh, your two, your three children, and you have your four grandchildren now. How are they doing? How are they doing throughout the year? Are they taking um, taking time away to uh, check in with you and? Uh, Give their tributes throughout the year, or are they saving up for that day of the that one day of the year.
1: Well, I don't really. Um, I know this is going to sound weird no. to many people, but I don't really expect a lot of things. I mean, I I think love is a feeling you have, and not done purposely. You got to call me. I mean, I know my daughter, you know, who lives very close to me, really adores me, and, and we're very very close, and we've had our moments because she does live two blocks away. Oh dear, yeah. <laughs> So, um, But I know my grandchildren, one who's in college, it's not, she doesn't have to call me. She doesn't have to text me. I mean, I know what she feels about me. I, it's, I guess that's the only way I can explain it. And sometimes I'll text her, and that's why I learned to text, was because she was in college. <laughs> and because as they get older, that's the only way you can reach them. But yeah. I don't really expect those kinds of things. I've always felt that um, love is unspoken, I guess. And so I'm not, you know, I feel that's fine. And my other ones that live in Ohio, um, my daughter-in-law, yeah, there are times I'd like her to do a little bit more, but she's wonderful to me when I go there and I impose upon them very often. So I actually um, can't complain. I don't expect i guess i don't expect a daily weekly call from everyone you know no, back- wait a
0: minute let's backtrack i don't think a, a grandmother's appearing on the scene is ever considered an imposition so <laughs> this is this is mother's day and we're not going to undo the tribute by uh, trivializing that the 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 kinds of things that we do for um uh, other generations besides the one immediately following us so yeah so, I, and we, we all have, sometimes we've got tricky relationships with our own mothers. I know, uh, I know Alan well enough to know that that, that is, uh, you know, sometimes what's going on. So it's a matter, you sort of have to shape your own kind of, uh, what, what kind of attribute mm-hmm. that, uh, what kind of meaning you have with your own uh, children uh, observing and, sh- and showing gratitude for your motherhood. Correct, Alan?
4: Absolutely. I think that, you know, I try to take pleasure in the in the days where the love comes forth and it's a surprise, mm-hmm. and then it, it doesn't have to be told to me by Hallmark, <laughs> you know, that this day is right. when you're supposed to react and, and show your mom that you care about her. So both, you know, me toward my mother and then my kids toward me, um, you know, just as a, a little anecdote. Yes, please. My daughter gave me a little uh, an Easter card, which, you know, Easter's not really a, a big deal in our house yet, maybe. Maybe it will be as the kids get older, but um, that was definitely a surprise. And on the back, she wrote, "I love mommy," and it's Aww. just so so sweet. Aww. It's so cute. It's like next to my bed, and I look at it, you know, uh. almost daily, and think, "Well, that was such a surprise, and so sweet, and so from her heart, out of nowhere, that oh. that, that means more to me than any, any Mother's Day
1: could." Yeah. Oh. oh, that and was then, that that was neat.
4: Yeah, and the, this the, you know, being nice. a mom has definitely made my relationship with my mother. Much better. Well, <laughs> there like, we oh, go. Oh,
1: now I get it. You're insane. This is, re- this is why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's really true. My daughter um, growing up was very, very quiet, extremely quiet. And even when things were really, really bad. Excuse me, Linda, I, is
0: this the one in Ohio or the one in Texas? Oh, the one
1: that lives around here. Okay. And I only have one daughter. I have two sons oh, that's and, right. and one daughter. And um, I never could get her to express her feelings, so when she expressed her feelings telling me she hated me, I actually loved it because she would say something instead of just moping around the house, because I'm such a verbal person, as you can tell. Mm. And um, when she got older, I I never really knew what she felt about me. I had no concept of what the work I did in the women's movement, social work, all the things I've done in my life, and I had no idea. And all of a sudden, I think about... Three or four years ago, she wrote this whole thing out on a piece of paper and framed it. What did she say? And she said, well, she just told me about the things when, you know, things I had accomplished. That's why she went to law school. And, that, and she went to cute things like you used to pick the chocolate chip chips out of the ice cream when my friend and I used to come home. You know, little anecdotes like um, you were saying, but also things about what I, she felt I had done to help her life. And be a mother. And be a, you know, and be a mother and also be a person that this yes. is the person I was and I thought oh my gosh you know you never know wow so, <laughs> so that's, that was you know so you have a lot to look forward to around <laughs>
4: good <laughs> i hate you but then followed by a really nice letter that's right see but there's <laughs> so <laughs> much
1: you never you never never know especially from a child who does not say things
0: wow it is hard to it's hard to gauge and uh, build on relationships when that That half isn't saying anything to you.
1: Yeah, so that's why. But you don't ever know when children grow up how they change and what happens. And um, that's why I guess I felt Mother's Day was, to me, an insignificant path my whole life or, you know, or every day or just little things like you were saying that happen. and, And those are the things that, you know, count. If I go to Ohio with my granddaughters, one of my granddaughters especially, the one who's seven, we have this, you know, tremendous bond between the two of us. And she'll, I'll tuck her in, and she'll just look at me, and I just want to die, you know. <laughs> like, I can tell what she feels, and she doesn't have to say, she doesn't even have to do anything, you know. And I'll just wow. kiss her goodnight, and we just look at each other, and it's like, oh, wow, you know. So I don't know, and I'm just the grandmother, but it's still, you know, I don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have a special day for that. And there is a grandmother's day, too, by the way. That's I don't know right. if you knew that. Was that, it's earlier in the, is it April, or? I don't, I don't even know. I mean, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Again, I think it's Hallmark.
0: <laughs> uh, that's yeah, Hallmark and uh, uh florists or us and that kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, so it's sort of um, you know, so I think each of us has a, you know, a different, you know, take on it and and I know there's there are some people that love Mother's Day, so I don't want to take it away from them, you know. No, we're not taking away and, you know, from them but sort of, We want to,
0: but we want for listeners to really think thoughtfully about if they're if they have some way of recognizing this, and they have a tribute in mind what is it that that resonates with with women and you know what kind of what 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 kind of gestures mean the most last the longest uh, resonate the most deeply and so I and so you're both talking about what's communicated to you and I don't know I don't know that a cut a, a bouquet of cut flowers that last about four or five days you're lucky if it past five days if if they're saying very much for very long with very much meaning, so maybe maybe there's some alternative kinds of if somebody's got to pull out their visa, maybe there's another way to go about um, what they what they're well, charging. Well, actually,
1: what I've started to do, and yes. I, guess I just can't stand you know it's bonds and Nobles I get or it's something like that. It was I just told everyone to give to charity, ah, and that's all they've been giving to, and they know that, and they'll send me what do you want? And there's a homeless shelter actually in in Irvine illumination and they've been giving to that sometimes feeding america my favorite animal is elephants and my one of my granddaughters who lives here is loves animals so she always gives me to the elephant rescue center it's in tennessee so um i just thought you know i didn't need any more hallmark cards or i didn't need whatever you know little thing or you know
0: no tchotchkes please
1: well,
4: but the, it's the thought, that, you know. So if it, if it, if people feel like flowers say what they want to say, then we don't That's, want to discourage that right. either.
0: Okay. No, you're okay. Probably right. But I have I have actually seen on the web there have been uh, various nonprofits that uh, always remind me that they're around and they're they're certainly tweaking it to the Mother's Day message. But so maybe this is something, the conversation, the communication for the rest of the year to find out what kinds of. Uh, Ma- what issues matter, what kinds of movements are that matter that uh, one could contribute to their mother uh, in their mother's name uh, so that when by the time that second Sunday in May shows up, there can be communicated to that mother a special contribution in her name.
1: Yeah, which is which is a nice thing, a nice thing to do also. Um, I don't mean to say. I mean, I love flowers and I keep them out all the time. <laughs> but um, I just felt like it was just time, and maybe I don't know. Maybe my age also. You know, I'm older than uh, both of you are, <laughs> and so I think you you change with time too, and yes. what you want how. And things, you know, just in your mind begin to change and say, well, do I really need this or want this? Or when I had young children, it was cute when they got me little trinkets or something. I went with, you know, my husband to get, you know, get me something for Mother's Day and they were all excited and everything. So, I mean, it it had its place in time. I think that matters also.
0: Yes. And so, Ellen, you're in that demographic where your daughter might be, uh, maybe she's uh, with some kind of uh, a children's group or uh, with neighbors or friends and they're, crafting something that comes to you?
4: I believe she will. She did do something like that at preschool yesterday. Oh, a, oh how old is she? <laughs> it's supposed to be at, she's four. Oh, or five. A, I'm sorry. She just turned five. Oh, so. that's
1: a neat age. Eh? Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, oh, that. So, oh no, that's important, Alan. Well, it's <laughs> funny
2: because
4: uh, one of the other girls in her class rushed up to that girl's mom and said, "We did a surprise for you for Mother's
1: Day." And she's like, "Well, you're not supposed to tell me."
4: Oh, that's a <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's oh, <laughs> so always the way really it is. Excited about it, and you know. Well, I
1: think that's important. No, I think that's great. I think no, that that's why I, I said my age. <laughs> Because they're older too, so I think it's different. I think, but young kids—they love that. They get really excited about giving their mother something, you know. Right. And you don't well, want to any, take that any away. Any
4: occasion to celebrate for for little kids is a fun Right. One. So they, they get know, a they get a big kick out of it. We we'll try want to pick to, one every month. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, no, but that's that's good. That's and also I think when the, when I remember back though, it also taught them. I mean that we were worthwhile. You know that we getting mm-hmm. Mommy something for Mommy's Day because this is her special day, you know, or something. And that, you know, so it was good. I always felt it was good. It sort of it carried on a sort of tradition, which we had said at a very young age, that you know, to know that and everything. So I think that's, you know, that's not a wrong thing. I think that's a good thing.
4: Oh, absolutely, but I think that that goes to the point of, you know, why is it only one day a year, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think I'm fortunate because in my household it's, it's reiterated regularly, oh, you know, mom's mommy is important and mom can do that for oh, you. Oh, that's neat. Wasn't that's that nice of mommy to make dinner tonight and, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. So that gets reiterated a lot. So yeah. I feel I feel lucky about that. And I yeah, hope that's that a nice. And I hope everybody can have that, that means have have not just one too day too. a year. <laughs> Here's your Hallmark card, thanks. And then the rest of the year, you know,
1: there's silence, yeah. that would be... Horrible. Yeah, that would be a terrible. Yeah, that wouldn't be great.
4: <laughs> well, that's
0: precise what we were hoping to um, give a, a, an airing to for people to consider, as I said this week. Well, there's also there's the matter of women that mean a great deal to us. They're our mother's stand-in, or they're a they're yeah. a relative that don't have their own children. We can also pay tribute to them, folks, and we can connect with them, whether it's uh, on this particular second Sunday of May or other days, uh, maybe maybe Linda and Alan can both. Uh, oh, let me just quickly say uh, here as a reminder on KUCI, you're li- we're listening to my two guests, Linda Schwartz, political activist, mother and grandmother, and Alan Gibbons, Orange County Register editor and mother of two on the subject of what matters with Mother's Day. This day or any day of the year. So maybe the two of you might have some kinds of experience with uh, remember, let's say, considering, reflecting on the meaning of other women in your life that you also mark that attribute up toward Mother's Day.
1: Well, I usually, I'm, I'm, I know this is terrible, and I support Hallmark, but I do give out cards. In fact, I just smelled them this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I have cards I give out to my friends. I mean, cute ones. Sometimes one of them, a, guy, a really cute one, a political one. Um, I always send my sister, you know, a card. I mean, I... I do support Hallmark. I mean, you know, whatever company comes out now. <laughs> um and I have a friend who actually is single but she's very involved with all the ch- all her nieces and nephews. She comes from a big family and I never forget her. I always give her a mother I always send her a Mother's Day card and she loves it. She finds it very touching that, you know, I w- and she is. She's a mother especially these two kids that she's sort of semi well, she didn't really adopt them. They have a family and everything, but she's very involved with their lives and everything. So um, I think it's very special to a lot of people who are not, you know, don't have children and are involved with other people's lives, other children's lives.
4: I feel I feel uh, selfish in saying it never even occurred to me. <laughs> but But again, you know, I hope that the women who are important in my life and the women who are important in my daughter's life or my son's life would be aware of that. More often than just one day a year, but that, uh, I probably yeah. need to need to make sure of that. No, this is to. not a
0: confessional, Alan. You're now. It's just we're all we're <laughs> talking.
4: Okay. No, no,
1: I, I apologize. No, not no at no, all. Alan. It's okay. It's okay. It's just I, I might be caught crazy, though. You see, and you're not.
4: <laughs> well,
0: both of you are women of words and good words and constructive words in terms of a political activism. In good journalism, and we know it's a it, good journalism is is it's getting harder and oh, harder wow. to be able yeah. to keep contributing that. So uh, we, I, I laud both of you for what you do in your respective professional and social lives, and I want to thank you both for being on Ask a Leader, and I want to to wish you both a a happy Mother's Day every day of the year, and to all the mothers out there listening, a happy. Mother's Day, this second Sunday of May, and every other day of the year. All of you deserve it.
4: Thank you. Thank you, and but, happy Mother's Day to, you, let's say, to women everywhere. To women. <laughs> that that, that was very
1: well said.
4: Yes. Happy nurturing day. day. Oh, that. yeah, I like that.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll do it. that. That was a good cap off. Thank you, ladies, for being on the show
1: today. Thank you for having me.
0: So what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to close the show, and I want to um, thank everybody for tuning in today. It's been a real pleasure having Linda Schwartz and Alan Gibbons on and uh, talking about Mother's Day. I want to thank you listeners for joining me on Ask a Leader. It's been a pleasure to keep you bringing you important content like what we've had today. Next week we'll have in the studio, just as we had one year ago, another look at Asian Pacific Islander Public Health Topic Concerns with Professor uh, Sang chu And her students that she'll be bringing on board this next time will be Adrian Evangelista, Asa Fernandez, and Neha Bargava. So we'll hear about their long seminar on public health and their independent research on issues affecting Asians and Pacific Islanders. We'll follow them next week. Next up is George Had a Hat with George Rosales. Thanks for being with us
2: za si sa si aye quando mata ole ro we la ele ya quando mata ndeu ida itabe so iitabeta ina o mauri